Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. This week, we're doing something a little different. The format of the show has changed, so we're bringing you the best bits from our radio show this week, including... A big debate on whether or not it's ever okay to offer help at the gym. We meet Karen Walker, a woman who survived sexual abuse from her father, took him to court, and then waived her anonymity in order to write a book about it. And we nominate some badass women as our badasses of the week. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! The few stories from Emma Sexton this week. Emma, what have caught your eye? Well, there's a few things this week, ladies. The first one. Jamila Jamil, I said it right. Mm-hmm. The other got it, well done. You've got it wrong because I'm really rubbish with names. Unless your name is Bob, I'd nine times out of ten, I won't get it right. Um, so she was at the gym and she did she did a post on Instagram this week actually because she was well she reckoned she was body shamed at her gym. So she went to the gym. She went cycling because she um, you know she likes to that helps with her anxiety. And a guy approached her uh, who she didn't know and asked her what workout she'd been doing. And she said um, you know that she'd been cycling because I have anxiety and that's why come to the gym and then apparently he decided to tell her without being prompting prompted that he'd seen her around and he always thinks himself oh what a shame she could look so amazing there's so many different things I could do to improve her body (laughs) and obviously she was outraged was he a personal trainer trolling for clients or was he just that's what I wondered I mean either way it's not acceptable but but I think her whole point is that, you know, gyms are somewhere where we go for our health and well-being, but actually they're just a really uncomfortable place for people and especially women because women are constantly being body shamed. And she was just like, you know, if this guy's coming up to me, like, you know, we're making gyms a really kind of a hostile place and not a place that, that you know, See, people want to go to. I'm going to dispute that. I I have never felt... Um, conscious in that way at the gym. Really? Yeah, I don't. I, really? I've never like been to the gym or, or been leered at or or you know feel like I need to. I like I like nice sportswear, so I wear like things that that I like to wear. But it's not about anyone else, and I don't feel like people are looking and getting competitive. So I don't. I don't want to 
I don't necessarily agree with that narrative that that gyms are a, a, a bad place. I do think he was probably a personal trainer with a really bad sales line because mm. his next line would have been, well, if you train with me, you can get this, this and this. Yeah. Because people have noticed an influx of... Uh, typically, well, both men and women, but lots of women going to the gym because you know, that gym physique and that gym body is now in. And he was probably trying to make a few bucks. Definitely the wrong approach because whatever you're doing works for you. But I was talking about it with my friend the other day. Her train, a guy in the gym who's a trainer keeps saying, I don't know why you're doing cardio because you're not going to lose any weight and you want to lose weight. So go and do some, go and actually do some weight. So he's saying to her, you know, you can lose weight by doing something else. And she doesn't think anything of it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm with you, Nat, there was a bit of me, you know, looking at this because now knowing what I know now, I see a personal trainer to do strength training. Mm-hmm. And I only started that two years ago and I'd always done running long runs. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed at how quickly that transformed my body. And if someone had told me that there was a smarter way for me to work out, that one would make my metabolism increase, yeah. two would make me feel really strong and three tone me in a way that no other exercise had then I would have what I should have done that 10 years earlier but again it's all in the approach it's all in that opening line and I think it was probably a PT with a really bad yeah, opening line you don't line. want to be shamed I'm not but then- even sure it is because yeah, I agree I think it was a terrible opening line and I know lots of I had a gym previously the PTs had to really work to get yeah. work and so you'd be there just minding your own business and you constantly have somebody being like oh do you know how to use this running machine well yes clearly because I'm running on it <laughs> so clearly yes I do um, yeah. but I think there is just a general thing that I would really love society to learn which is let's not comment on somebody else's body unless they ask you to mm. Because you don't know the, you don't know where that person is. But if you are in a an environment where, like, wh- whatever you whatever you no, do in life, absolutely not. If no, you but, take yourself to the gym, you do not take yourself to the gym to open yourself up to comment on your body. No, but if I was taking to my taking myself to somewhere that was around optimum nutrition, and I was eating some chips, and someone told me that there was a better way to eat, I would welcome that information. Wouldn't I? I? Would be horrified by that. I would be absolutely. But if horrified I'm going by that. to a place that is about nutrition, about you know, we go to a gym to get fit and to exercise and to do exercise well. But so how do, do you, we not want the information? How yeah, do you I'm know what is right for somebody else's body? How de- I mean, I'm sorry, that makes me really angry. How dare anyone assume they know what is right for somebody else's well, body? Well, if I, if they I, might I, be qualified. Y- yeah. No, but it still does not mean, unless you've done a health check and an assessment with that person, you still do not know what is right for their body. No, but you could still... Uh, you can make an assumption that chips are bad in this in this, in this this circumstance <laughs> where you're trying to eat healthily. Chips are bad but they and maybe don't. a salad what is good. What happens yeah. if you are somebody who is a former anorexic who has not been able to eat anything? Mm. And they have chosen, you know what, maybe chips is not the nutritionally correct thing, but they are choosing to eat something. Again, I you think You do not know. You do not you know. So do not comment know, on other people's bodies. Emma's point was if you're in a place where it's about nutri- eating yeah. well and someone makes that comment. She's trying to say, basically, if you're in a gym and you are in a gym to get fit... It's likely. But you how ha- does anyone know that? Because you're in a gym. How? Because you're no, in a but gym. you might be in a gym, as Jamila Jamil says, for her anxiety, because it helps her with her anxiety. You might be in a gym because you like to go there after work. You might be in a gym because you've decided it's... Act- I used to go to a gym because it was a really beautiful building. You know, there's a lot... I oh, think this, I like... Know. 
this world where we think we have the right to tell other people what to do with their bodies is unacceptable. I just wouldn't process it in the same way. I'm thinking, but that's you, Nat. That's you. You haven't been through that. You haven't. So Jimmy Lynch Mill's really open about her struggles mm. with eating. You know, she has been through that. You have not been through that. So it's different for you. And that's totally fine. Mm. But you don't know what somebody else has gone through. I, I see your point. But I, I still... If somebody I, asks I don't, you, that's fair enough. I don't, I don't think gyms are generally a place where if someone makes a comment about your body, i.e. a personal trainer, it should be taken in a bad way. It, it we was don't a, know it was a bad, personal yeah, we trainer. Don't. To be fair, we it's, don't. It's completely mm. a bad, bad setup. If I went to, and I'm saying me, but equally, if you went to a place where it was all about vegan, holistic eating and you... I don't know. Chad down on the 13 pound burger from earlier. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, it is a bit of a contradiction. It's like, fine, you can do that, but it's about the environment and the context. And so, yeah, you don't have to comment on someone else's, you should what someone else is doing. On I, I, else. I personally would not process it. And that's all. what I'm saying is you wouldn't process it, mm-hmm. but that is you. And what we need to have is an awareness that our life circumstances are not other people's life circumstances. But isn't there also an argument to say sometimes you just need to let stuff go? I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, but like, I think this one is actually really important. I think this one is important because we know there are so many women out there suffering from eating disorders, from self-esteem issues, from body issues, because of people commenting on them from but age dot upwards. isn't a better self... Do you not build your self-esteem by saying, do you know what? I don't really care what anyone says. Of course you do, but and if so you, you are not there... you can say what you want. If you're not I there, if you're really somebody you. that is not in that place... Mm. You know, let's allow for a world where people are imperfect. Well, maybe they should work on it. The next <laughs> time someone says something that you don't like, yeah, tell them just to ignore do it. Exactly. Yeah. Be like, actually, I think your head's too big. Yeah. Well, do you know what? You could do some work on your nose. Well, your nose. legs are too skinny. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they could just not be put in that position to begin with. I know. They but could just I, not I, be put in that position. I was just Why looking at something on the, on on the other screen. people's bodies? Uh, no, Look, in the, in the general context, Why? I agree with you. In the context of the Jim, I'm like I'm coming look, from a different point, yeah I'm like there's a big difference between commenting on somebody and saying that person doesn't look good versus saying to that person you could have a more effective workout in the nicest possible way Emma that is the same statement just dressed yeah, up think, in prettier clothes it actually isn't it but it's, it's, yeah, it is. but, it's, but it's a correct statement there is an a more effective way who, for you to work yeah, out right now you are still yeah. determining what makes somebody's body good that person might be totally happy with their body they might be like do you know what my bum could lift up another inch but actually <laughs> I don't care I'm good with it where it is Which I'm paying it to work but, out you know, I like mine yeah exactly if I'm paying money to go somewhere like I'm looking lifted. for an optimal most effective <laughs> so, approach but, but I look you. at that in everything in my life but, yeah. that, this is you we're talking about wider world no. we're talking about do you know what I, I was just the, the pledge was just on in the corner of my eye optimal for everyone else and they would there was a conversation around are we just a bit too soft and sensitive and I'm almost in the place of <laughs> in this context Jamila no. Jamil last week I was backing you this week I'm like Not babes sure. come on I think that is yeah I mean no. I think that's terrifying actually she I think was, it's I think just ignore a, them but if you have somebody who said this to you all the time if you've grown up with this message the whole time mm. it's hard to ignore it 
Well, it's something that it's should be worked hard. on, I would no, say. I think the rest of society... Which is the same thing a coach would say, which is the same thing a therapist would say. Which is not to say that we don't work on it personally, mm. right? It's not to say that we don't work on it personally, but it might be easier to work on it personally if we weren't faced with it every single but day. But success would be that when someone did say something, it meant nothing. That's no, what success actually, would be. I don't it think is. it would be. I think success would be a society where we did not feel the need to try and improve strangers' bodies. But sometimes it's not about society. Sometimes it's just about you recognising there are some things you cannot change, but the only I thing you can change disagree. is your response to it. I disagree. I think this is something which, as a society, we need to work to change. We need to say it's not okay to bring up young girls feeling that if they walk into a gym at any second they might be accosted by somebody telling them they're not good enough to be there that is not okay that's not a society i want to live in i'm not saying that that is someone saying to a young girl your body is not good enough that's what happened no jamila jamil is like how old is she 30 something god knows probably yeah it doesn't matter somebody saying to any woman of any age any woman of any age in any physical shape should be able to walk into a gym and feel it is a safe place where they are not going to be told they are not good enough to be in there. It depends on that how you hear it. That is why we have an obesity crisis. No, but that, there it is no on, other way to no. hear that statement. See, he but, said, your no. body is not good enough. No, but I've, we hear it in a different way yeah. to how you're hearing it. Yeah, and that it, that's true. based on our relationship with the sentence. I think To me, it's like it's mad. performance, it's effectiveness. Yeah. You're hearing it as a put down. It is and a I put th- down. Because from no, your, your worldview, from your perspective, and I, I can appreciate that from your perspective. I'm just saying from my perspective, it's not like that. It's like, oh, there's a, a better, smarter way to do something. Yeah. Tell yeah. me more, please. Yeah. I think it's cruel. I yeah. think it's cruel. Lady, no, do you know what I think is know. great? I've picked such a controversial story. <laughs> you have. <laughs> you do. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. The whole Me Too movement has really shown this urge for women to speak up and own their stories and just be really honest with what has happened to them and how they have experienced it. But I think it takes particular bravery to do that when it is your own father that you're talking about. Um, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if you could do it. But our next guest... Uh, Karen Walker has not only taken her father to court for abuse, but she's then written, waived her right to anonymity and written her story in her new book, Tell Me You're Sorry, Daddy. Joined by Karen in the studio now. Hi, Karen. Hello. It's nice to see you all. Thanks for for joining joining us. us. It's lovely to have you here. Um, So let's start off right back in your childhood. Can you tell us, I guess, the story of growing up in the ninth? late 1970s what your childhood was like um i was born in 1971 so quite i'm getting old now Um, (laughs) look good for it um typical 1970s lived in a council masonette um it wasn't very it wasn't a nice house it was basic um but our childhood was one of um emotional neglect and um physical abuse and um mental mental abuse and uh, from both of my parents um, and then as I got a little bit older um, sexual abuse at the hands of my father and did you were you an only child Do you have there was sisters? five of us and um, there was f- 
there was they had five children between them um, four of us lived at home but my sister who sadly died was taken away as a youngster and she lived in care most of her life she came back some forwards but mostly she wasn't there growing up did you feel like you were living in an unhappy environment or did it almost become normal um as a small child you only know your environment Mm. you don't have anything to gauge that against Mm -hmm. so you believe that what's happening to you and how you live your life is normal and and we were isolated from other people we were isolated from family members and any any support we could have got from the outside world was taken away from us and although social services were involved quite a lot when we were small um, they never intervened they took my sister mm. uh, they took us all at one time and gave us back and then took my sister um, but although there's lots and lots of reports that, and a lot of them are in the book mm. um, they never actually did anything they just reported on what was happening mm. my parents were able to do what they wanted and um, as I said, there was no one... Family members were kept away from us and there wasn't really... Um, we were told... I did have grandparents in my life, but I was led to believe as a child that they were bad people, so mm. I would never have confided in them anyway. By your parents? Yeah. yeah. Was, was there a time... Can you remember at the time when you realised that what was going on was not OK, that it was abuse? And, and then what did you... Did you set about trying to change things or escaping that or um um i think as a child like i was explaining um i didn't know any different so i believed every i was told by my father when that abuse started that everybody did it all dads and daughters did it so it was normal behavior um, and as the time went on um uh, he changed what he said to me. He, it would be, you know, you break, you break the family up. And um, do you want me to have to go to another lady? And then we'll all be broken up, and your brothers will be heartbroken, and your mum's ill. And if she ever knew we were doing this, he would always make me complicit in using the words we. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only took until this year that I realised it wasn't we at all. It was something done to me as a child. Um, but at the time, yeah, he would change what he said to me as I got older and as I was became more aware until when I was a teenager and I was able to um, try and say, no, this is not going to happen. Then he threatened violence, so I never said anything else then. But as far as our childhood with everything else that happened around us, I never questioned it because I never knew that it was could be any different. Mm. Only when I became an adult and a mother myself, I knew that it had to be different. Well, so it was quite late in your life before yeah. you kind of realised that actually this was not, you know, a normal upbringing and not yeah. okay. Well, but I say when I realised um, this wasn't something that I was responsible for, that was only this year when mm. I really, I could say it with my mouth, but my heart didn't feel it. Mm. I always felt responsible and a bit guilty and a bit ashamed and I felt like that was something inside me that you could see um, but this year I'm starting to um, understand no it isn't there was no we in this mm. it was something that he did to me how do you feel when you say or repeat the words it's it's normal it's something that all daddies and daughters do because I literally a shudder went down my body as you, as you said that but you say it almost easy again just because I'm guessing you heard it so many times I think because 
um, I was told it at a very young age, like mm-hmm. age seven, round mm-hmm. about seven or eight, mm-hmm. and I did believe it. Um, I now know it's not true, but it was something that became a core belief in me that, it, it, you know, you don't say anything, you don't have a voice, mm-hmm. um, and this is normal, so don't speak out. Um, what's the point in speaking out? I once did bring it up and it was ignored, so that just reinforced that everyone must do it because no one said anything. Um, but I, I can say that now. When I first had to talk about these things in 2010, um, when I first reported it to the police, I almost had to pull these words out of my throat. It was so difficult to say. And the first time you have to say the things is so difficult. But it's so it's so much part of the healing process to talk because now um, I can sit here and say it to you. Um, seven years ago, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been possible. How did you get the courage then to go to the police? Was it you? Was it you going to the police that led to your father's conviction? Yes, um, I always believed I'd never report it because I didn't believe I was strong enough to go through a court case and to face him and even just to tell. And I was still carrying that shame inside me. But I visited um, my grandmother at a nursing home in Kirkdale in Liverpool and I saw him there and it made me realise that I I didn't know who he lived with and who he had access to because he was living in another part of Yorkshire in Leeds. And um, I, I went away and just couldn't function for days because I was thinking, gosh, who are you with? Who are you around? Everyone thinks you're such a nice guy because he was always salt of the earth, nice guy. But I knew what the truth. And that was why I reported it. It had nothing to do with what he'd done to me originally. Um, I just knew I had to report it then. It took three t- attempts at going to the police station. But finally, I did report it, and then there was no going back. Wow. And then going through that process of prosecuting and in the courts, I mean, we've seen lots of news stories about that court process being really brutal for victims, especially victims of sexual abuse. How was that for you? Did you get treated with care during that process? Was it, I mean, I'm sure it was really difficult. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, Yeah, I hear so many stories from people, especially now since I've done this, um, who don't feel not believed and they say the police didn't take them seriously and the CPS rejected them. Mm. But for me, I did feel believed. The police did believe me and they were very supportive and the CPS took my case um, with very little evidence, really. All I had was my own voice and that proved to be enough. Mm. But I feel extremely lucky that that happened because so many people don't get don't get that far but I I want people to know you don't understand when the CPS reject your case you think it's you automatically think they don't believe me but it's never that it's that they don't believe there's enough evidence to get a conviction and Mm. it's coming out of the government's purse it's got to be carefully considered but when um, so up until that point everyone believed me everyone was supportive but I wouldn't pretend the court process is easy to anybody um, and the cross-examining that part of it is absolutely brutal you're right there was a whole day of standing in the dock and being questioned um, and that that is really difficult and I wouldn't take that I, I wouldn't pretend it's not but um, equally I would say it's so important that you do if you can and you have and you all have everyone who's been through this has got the courage if you can pull that out of yourself and um, go forward as difficult as it is it's over then 
And I thought that coming out of court would be like a switch and my life would be instantly better and that mm. didn't happen. Mm. But when I look back now over seven years, it was de definitely the first step in me getting better. I'm mm. a different person now, Can slowly, ask, slowly. Was your father in court when you were giving evidence? Yes. He, there was, they offered a screen, but it was actually a curtain. And I'm not sure if all courts are the same. This was Liverpool Crown Court, and maybe some have a box or a proper screen, but this was a curtain. And I was aware he was in the room. I knew his cough, and I could hear him mumbling. So um, that was difficult, but I couldn't see him. So that was something. And when you were a child, how long between... How long did the abuse go on, and then did you leave home, or...? Were you in contact with your father even afterwards? What it's, was your relationship with him like? It started when I was around seven or eight, and possibly younger from memories that have come to me since. Um, and it stopped when he left the home, our family home, at si when I was 16. Um, they got divorced and he left, and that's when it ended. I did see him a few years later on when he got married to a lady in Leeds and he got back in touch with all with his children. And my brothers were thrilled, like they got their dad back and I carried on living the same life I'd led as a child. Um, I couldn't destroy their happiness and tell. So I went along with it for about 18 months um, to the outside world. It must have looked like a happy family, having a Christmas together and going to his wedding. But the reality for me was very different. Mm. Um, I'd only see him when my grandma was there and I would only sleep there if I could sleep in bed with her. And if she left the house, I left the house. And I'd never, never leave him with my son. The reality of that, um, it nearly destroyed me for 18 months and then I couldn't do it any longer. Mm. And then I didn't see him again until I bumped into him in the nursing home. Did he, your mother know? Um, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say okay. something that's not been um, proven, yeah. if you like, especially because I've written a book. Mm -hmm. um, what about your brothers? Did they did they know what was going? Have you, you did your brothers? Um, did you end up telling them what had happened? I did as a as an adult. They know now, um, and one brother is very supportive. He lives in America, but he is supportive, and he came home to come to court with me. Um, he has issues himself from his childhood and I think all of this is hopefully making him stronger too. Mm -hmm. So there are two things that I want to put... Karen, you, uh, go on. No. Oh, I thought you were going to say something up, but in the book there are two things that I want to point to, firstly okay. about your mum and then, and then your siblings. You say, as a little girl I believed everything mum said to me. When you're small you do. You do think that your mummy is telling the truth, that every word that comes from her mouth can't be challenged. Now, though, when I look back, I can see that my childhood was littered, was littered with lies. That sounds pretty harrowing, because growing up, you think your parents are the world and everything they say is true. That's it, because you don't have any other worldly experience mm. to go on. And they're your caregivers and your nurturers, and they're the, they're the building blocks of your personality. And when that's all negative... That has a, a, a absolutely devastating impact on you as, uh, for your self-esteem. So how do you know who you are and what is real and, and, and what is, is true? How did you manage to find that in yourself based on who you are now? Um, I think for many, many years in my adult life, I've really... Well, I'm still struggling with it. Mm. Um, I have really low self-esteem and I don't think a lot of myself and I don't. I can't accept when people say 
you're brave when you're stronger and I've written a book and people tell me you must be so proud and I can't reach that far I'm, I'm finally at the point where I'm happy I did it mm. because of the feedback I'm getting it's been phenomenal so many people have messaged me and said it's helping in one way or another so I'm glad I did it but um yeah, my core beliefs have come from what I was told as a child. Mm -hmm. And as I said earlier, people people in my life who could have been um, our saviours, if you like, were isolated from us with lies mm -hmm. or just kept away. Again, I'm pointing to um, some text from, from the book. You say, Jenny was an adult now, so there was less, less interest in her and more of a movement towards looking at Donna's life. But as always, there were things that they never saw, things they couldn't have seen. I saw mum beat Jenny to the floor when she was seven months pregnant. I saw she had cut off all of Jenny's hair, just as she had done to me at one point. Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, I believe my sister's life was made miserable from um, the moment she was born, really, up until she died. Um, Is that she, Jenny? She was a target um, for my mum's hatred. Um, it's clear in the social services files that she was very much not wanted and and not liked. And somebody wrote in the files that apparently she was a problem child from conception. So even in the womb, she was difficult. How how that is possible, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, what was the second part of the question? I, just and and Donna. Uh, well, you saw your, your mum beat Jenny to the floor when she was seven months pregnant. Yeah. And then uh, Donna, another sister. Donna's um, Jennifer's daughter. Okay. Because yes. um, what happened was when Donna was born, um, my mother took her away from my sister. Um, but my sister got her back. Mm -hmm. It took about 14 months. But she went and got help from social services and whoever she needed to get help and she took her back. Can I ask, are you, are you angry with social services? Because I'm angry with social services on your behalf. I, do you feel like they should have done more, that they should have intervened earlier, that they should have actually been more reactive? I think um, social services have a really difficult job. Mm. I understand that. And um, they're, they're criticised for doing too much and they're criticised for doing too little because how do you always know and get it right? But when it's clear in front of you in black and white and reports and evidence and marks on a little child's body, mm. then I think that, that definitely more could have been done. Um, I'm angry for my sister because she was passed around and she was never protected and she, was, she kept getting put back into an environment that was harmful to her. Um, and she was also isolated from her other siblings. We was played off against one another. You know, she's got this wonderful life. And she comes home just for her own gain and then she go back again. And we were told, that's what we were told. And she was told, they don't want you, you have to go. Mm -hmm. And it was cruel, really. She damaged our relationship a lot. Um, and the last couple of years before, my sister died, we actually met up quite a few times and, and I, I, I I think we saw we didn't we never have the relationship we could have had as sisters, and I'm always be sad for that. But we did talk and we did mend some bridges and mm. and she told me a lot of things in them couple of years. Mm -hmm. Your book's called "Tell Me You're Sorry, Daddy." Did you did you have you had an apology from him? Has he apologised? Has he admitted to, uh, to what he's done to you? No, never. He um, pleaded not guilty to everything when he was arrested. Um, 
um, he pleaded not guilty and it took about 11 months to get to trial. And on the very first day of trial, he pleaded guilty to a couple of minor charges that would have just led to um, a very short prison sentence, if one at all. Mm. And the court, um, the judge sent somebody to my house to tell me this is what he proposed. And um, if I accepted it, I wouldn't have to go through a trial and my brothers wouldn't have to give evidence. Um, but they were urging me not to. Could, would I find it in me to go ahead, mm. which is what I did. So he pleaded not guilty to all the serious charges, but um, was found guilty of everything. Everything he was charged, there were 24 counts and he was found guilty of everything. And, and how okay. is it not having an apology from somebody who's been so abusive and treated you so badly? Have you, have you been able to kind of get some closure on that uh, or is that something you're still having to, to work on? Um, I don't need an apology. Um, I don't want an apology. And uh, a lot of people asked me after he went to prison, will you go and visit him and ask him why? And it was quite clear to me, I don't want to visit him and ask him why, because I know why. Mm. It took me... I never realised until I was waiting to go to trial in 2011 and I'd taken a few days off by myself away because the pressure was very, very high. And it was only then, in them few days away, writing things down and keeping a diary and reading another survivor's book that I realised he was even, that he was a paedophile. And it was like a light bulb moment to me because, as I said earlier, I'd always thought this was just something that happened in families and we'd done it. Mm. But it wasn't. He was a bad person. He was hurting his own little daughter. So when people ask me, do you want to ask him why? No. Mm. Why do I? I know why. Mm. He has that. He, he's a paedophile and he did that to his child. I don't need to ask him why or get a sorry. Karen, yeah. it's... An incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Where are you in your life now? You've written the book. What What's happening for you now? Um, I'm a completely different person now. I am. Um, going to court, talking, in my opinion, even if you don't go to a police station, if you tell a friend or a family member, it's definitely the first step in your recovery because you hold it inside otherwise. So for me... The last seven years I've grown as a person and got stronger and now I got over the fear of writing the book and it's out there and the response I've had has reinforced that I did the right thing and I'm starting, the butterflies are going away now mm. and I'm starting to feel good about what I did. So um, myself and my partner will move away hopefully soon and um, I'm going to concentrate on building up my coaching, life Great. coaching and yeah. Fantastic. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us your story. Uh, Karen Walker's book, Tell Me Your Sorry Daddy, is out now. Um, I recommend reading it. It's a beautiful read. Coming up, it is our Badass of the Week. But this week, we're taking it bigger and better than ever before. There's a whole ceremony. There's a whole leaderboard. We're going to have it's a little gonna competition. Get competitive. We're going to find the baddest badass of the week here on Badass Women's Hour XL. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Welcome to the first ever weekly badass of the week awards. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. Badass of the week awards. Yes, we have got the golden envelope all ready to go. Uh, we are going to be nominating our true badasses this week and then fighting it out to see who wins. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go first. I'm going to nominate um, a woman called Natalie Reynolds. So Natalie Reynolds is speaking in negotiation as we were earlier in the show. She is a negotiation coach, which means that she goes into businesses and teaches them how to negotiate well. She's been doing that for lots of quite a few years now. Um, but she has just launched a new product called Make Your Ask. And basically, Make Your Ask is an online negotiation course. Uh, it's the same course that she teaches to corporates for thousands and thousands of pounds. You can buy it for £10 and for everyone that is bought, she gives another course to a woman in a part of the world where they can't afford it at all. So she's working with organisations that run mentoring and education programmes all across the globe. Um, each course will be rolled out as part of those organisations. Every time one is bought, another one gets gifted. I think it's incredible. She's basically giving away her IP mm in order to ensure that women all around the world have the skills they need to argue for themselves. Nice. Badass. That is amazing. Yeah. Totally badass. I'm so proud of her. The program is called Make Your Ask. Go and check it out now. That's my badass of the week. Mm. Emma, who is yours? So mine is Professor Wangari um, Matai. So she was, and she's dead now, an environmental and political activist. And she was the first African woman to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Now, we often have badasses on here who have done lots of stuff for people. But um, this woman has done stuff for people and the planet. So in 1977, she founded the Greenbelt Movement. So this was about planting trees to prevent um, environmental and social conditioning conditions deteriorating and damaging the lives 
lives of impoverished people in in Africa because what she noticed is there were these very poor communities that were becoming even poorer because a lot of the um, trees and, and plantations around them were also being were being removed um, but what happened was as she became went on this journey to kind of save these areas and understood it she actually uncovered that there was lots of political things going on so she she got beaten she got whipped she was in um she was basically a massive threat to the government there from what she was trying to do um but uh she basically she's successful this green belt movement still um still exists and she's fundamentally helped change those communities and help them remain self-sufficient and i just thought that she was pretty amazing and i'd never heard of her before and uh, I wanted to nominate her. And one of her, a nice quote I found from her is that, um, I have always believed that no matter how dark the cloud, there is always a thin silver lining. That is what we must look for us. We cannot tire or give up. We owe it to the present and future generations of all species to rise up and walk. So she is my badass of the week. I love that quote. Mm. Very cool. She feels like a strong contender. Yeah. Nat. <sighs> Rihanna, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I, we're just deleting this nomination now. No, you can't no, have Rihanna as your no. badass every I, week. I can because how many weeks of Rihanna have we had now? Does something on a regular basis that warrants her ranking as <laughs> my badass of the week? And this week she closed out New York Fashion Week, and she did it in true Rihanna style. She was. Um, Debuted, it was her debut for Savage uh, Times Fenty, which is her uh, underwear lingerie line. And it was just a raving success because she brought out women of all different complexions, of all different sizes. She even had a pregnant model on the runway too. And that model went into labour actually a couple of, couple of hours after the show. Um, her collection is about showcasing bodies of all types it's about diversity so she does a whole um, range of skin tones but also celebrates sexuality so she has a series of collections so your your regular your sort of your basic days right through to damn that's hot and the damn that's hot sort of collection is a bit more um uh provocative and close to possibly S&M garb but it's all it's all fabulous uh, and so she's my badass of the week because she's doing things she's realizing that not all women are catered to mm-hmm. and she is saying that isn't okay so I'm going to do something that means women can access things that they haven't been able to access like underwear yeah Okay, ladies, it's up for debate. I feel Rihanna. like Rihanna. I feel Rihanna. no. I feel like Rihanna, Rihanna needs to be disqualified. I, what? I mean, I have to feel. I feel like Rihanna is not the strongest. Because well, she's like, she's not I the lo- strongest. I love her entry. too. I love her too. But like, she's been badass of the week so many times, and, and she is amazing. Also, you know. She did a runway show at New York Fashion Week. Ultimately, is what it came down to. Like, so did lots of other people. There was loads no, of money behind it. She closed out New York Fashion Week. She didn't create it week. from yeah. nothing. No, I know. I, I but feel she's like also Rihanna. it's a very it's a good thing to do. I'm into it. No, I don't think it makes her a badass yeah, of the week. No. Yeah, I think we just no. have a no. Rihanna category for badass of the week. <laughs> <laughs> if she sits in there. Anyway, Emma, you and me, you and me, Harriet. You, what you what do you think? Do you know what? Much as I love my badass and she is leaving a legacy, what Natalie is doing, I think, is 
pretty incredible too. Your badass. So I'm going to make my final argument for my badass, which course, is... you're really good at making arguments, so I'm totally <laughs> done for, aren't I? <laughs> no, not at all. Which is, here is a woman who has put aside the business that she has built up for six years because she believes that the one thing that will change the lives of women around the world is being able to negotiate properly in terms of not just money although that's very important because it leads to economic empowerment but also in terms of having better relationships with their families being able to argue their case in courts of law being able to argue their case for health it's going to change their world so i think she's i think she's a strong contender she is but then mine planted loads of trees that's true she has given us an environment in which to breathe exactly Mm. when she supported loads of communities i mean natalie you're probably neutral seeing as we've kicked rihanna out which i think is (laughs) unfair you might need some rules to this so the bit that you shared just then really got me because being able to negotiate all of those different things access to services in court yeah that can change the pathway not just for a woman but for the family we're going to give nat 20 seconds to think about it and if you want to talk to us if you've got a badass of the week we should know about you want to weigh in on any of the topics we've talked about this week you can come and find us at badass women's hour hr all week at badass women's hour hr twitter instagram all the socials or me at harriet minter nat at nat d campbell and emma at emma sexton emma uh, Nat, final final decision. Who's your badass of the I'm week? I'm going with Natalie because she's got a good name. Natalie Thank Reynolds, you. you are simply the okay. best. Harriet she wins. is our badass <laughs> leaderboard. of the week. We're going to have a leaderboard. So each week we will know who the winner of our badass of the week okay. is and also which of us presents the I'm best. I'm making a note now. The best cheat? badass is. <laughs> <laughs> I totally would. Rihanna, Rihanna. <laughs> it's official. Natalie Reynolds, Make Your Ask founder. She is our badass of the week. She is simply the best. You're simply the best. This has been Badass Women's Hour's Best Bits. Uh, if you liked it, please do rate, review and subscribe us. We love that. Five stars. Um, or come chat to us on social media. You can find us at Badass Women's Hour HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter. At Emma Sexton. And at Natty Campbell. And we'll be here again next week, same time, same place. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.